If you'll stand with us, Ephesians uh, chapter number one. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number one. And we'll begin reading in verse number one. Ephesians chapter number one and verse number one. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the count of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believe ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Heavenly Father, I do pray now in Jesus' name, God, that these next few moments, Lord, that you would give us liberty. I pray, God, that you would touch us Lord, may you be glorified. I ask you, Lord, to save that sinner nearest hell, reclaim the backslider, and encourage the saints of God, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to take just a few moments this morning and just mention as Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus here, uh, Paul had preached the gospel about 10 years before, uh, this, uh, before this epistle and had built a very large church, you, uh, a flourishing church. You can read about it in the book of Acts chapter 19 and then again in chapter 20 beginning in verse number 17 down uh, through verse number 38. And so Paul had established the church here and these saints at Ephesus had been under Paul's preaching and teaching uh, for about three years. Having said that, that means that they were well able uh, to digest and to understand uh, the deep truths of Christianity. And when we come to chapter number one, Paul uh, begins to lay out some of those truths. And I think Ephesus uh, uh, gives us a full-scale picture of what a church can be and what a church should not be. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, if you look at this church in the book of Acts, uh, it was a very fiery church. It was a church uh, uh, that was explosive and on fire and was doing great things for the glory of God. When you get to the book of Ephesians, it was a very fruitful church. It was abounding and God was blessing and fruit was being was coming forth. It was a church that was performing well for the glory and the honor of God. But when you get to the book of Revelations, we know that Christ, as he spoke through John, the revelator to this same church, we find that it is a fallen church that had many works, but yet it had left 
left his first love. And what Ephesus is, uh, it is a picture of how that a church can be on fire one day, have the blessings of God and be fruitful and doing the work of God and very quickly it can lose its first love. Amen? I'm telling you, leave its first love. You see, if you and I are not careful, we can let the circumstances of life, uh, we can let apathy and complacency uh, creep into our lives uh, and then it'll creep in the church uh, and my friend, the church will slowly decay uh, and will slowly die. Isn't that right? Uh, well, when we come to this chapter here, uh, Paul is writing to this uh, uh, to these churches or to the church of Ephesus uh, and to those that are in that area and in verse number one, notice that Paul reveals several things about himself uh, uh, in these first two verses here. He reveals his character as he says Paul and Paul, that's interesting because it shows his humanity uh, that he puts his name uh, uh, before his apostleship. Paul was a very humble man and so he, rep- he reveals his character and he reveals his calling. He's an apostle. He reveals Christ uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, he reveals his confidence uh, by the will of God. Let me just stop and say this. Uh, the will of God is the most important thing in all of our life. Amen? Now nobody can't tell you the will of God uh, but if you'll get in the word of God and stay on your knees uh, and seek God, God will reveal his will to you. Uh, down through this Christian life uh, I've had several people that thought they knew the will of God for my life. Uh, some with uh, not so good intentions and some with good intentions uh, but nobody knows the will of God for your life uh, but the Lord. Amen. And so Paul here we see his confidence. We see his congregation. It's to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And then Paul reveals his compassion in verse number two. This great apostle was a man of compassion. As he said grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know I think a man of God ought to have, ought to have compassion. Can I get a witness right there? He ought to be bold like the apostle Paul was. He ought to take a firm stand, but he ought to love the church. He ought to love people. And more importantly, he ought to love Christ, amen? And so Paul was that kind of man. And when we get to verse number three, here's what Paul is going to do in this chapter. He's going to talk about the body of Christ, amen? And in these verses that we have read this morning, Paul is going to, in particular, he's going to talk about the creation of that body. And then in the last few verses from verse number 15 throughout the rest of that chapter he's going to talk about the consecration of that body so in chapter number one uh, uh, Paul is elevating uh, uh, the body of Christ Uh, and when you read these first 14 verses I'll tell you what's easy to see is that Paul is a church man amen Uh, Paul has a heart for the church Uh, Paul loves the church Uh, and Paul is excited uh, about the church Uh, in fact he's going to say some things uh, uh, that produces excitement about the church. Well, I want to stop and say this this morning. I'm a church man. Amen. I have a heart for the church. I love the church and I'm still excited about the church. And I want to preach on that subject a few minutes this morning on why I'm still excited about church. Amen. Why I'm still excited about church. You see, my friend, I do not want to close the church. Somebody say amen right there. And 
and I do not want to cancel church. Somebody say amen right there. And I do not want to criticize the church. I'm telling you there's some people in this hour, they've let the circumstances and the situations of life knock them completely out of church. I want to tell you, I want to be a church man until I die, Brother Jack. I want to have a heart for the church. I want to love the church. I just don't want to go, Brother Brother George. I want to be excited about being in the house of God. Amen. I'm gonna tell you, there's some folks, they say they love the church, but they don't want to go to church. Can I get a witness right there? I mean, they can go to Walmart, they can go to the mall, they can go to the ball fields, they can go to the woods, you know, but when it comes to church, they just feel like they ought to play it safe, amen? Isn't that interesting, you know? They can run all over town through the week, but when it comes to church, we just need to stay home and we just need to play it's safe. I'm telling you, as the old Japanese said, that's just hogwashi. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, I'm glad I got something inside of me, Brother Jason, that makes me want to go to the house of God. I'm telling you, I'd rather be here to be at Walmart. I'd rather be here to be at the mall. God knows I'd rather be here as to be at the mall. Amen. I'd rather be here to be on the ball field. I'd rather be here to be in the woods. I'm telling you, I want to go to church house. Hallelujah. Not only, they don't want to, listen, they don't want to go to church. And I'll tell you something else. I, while I'm on the subject, they don't want to give to the church. Isn't that right? I mean, they're tighter than a tick's tail, you know? Listen, they wouldn't pay $10 to watch an ant eat a bell of hay. I'm telling you, friend, they're tighter than the bark on a tree, but they'll buy a shotgun. They'll buy a new dress. Listen, they'll go to the ball field and they'll pay 50 bucks, or I don't know what you pay now for a ticket, and they'll pay $17 for a hot dog that's been on a roller for about 25, 30 minutes, and they'll go away saying they're having a time but that same crowd won't give a dime to missions. They'll rob God. They won't give in a love offering. I'm telling you, they don't love the church because what you love, you invest in. Isn't that right? They won't go to church. They won't give to the church. They're never glad about the church, amen. Not in their word nor in their worship, amen. Hey, some people, all they want to do is talk about the bad things in the church. Are y'all with me? And they've had 25 pastors and I don't want to be number 26. I'm just going to tell you. Amen. You say, Brother Gravely, everybody's welcome. Well, sure, they're welcome. Just don't join. That's the only thing I pray. Amen. You say, you ought not say that. Wait till you pastor some of them and let's see what you say. Amen. I'm telling you, that crowd of 25 pastors can't make them happy. Number 26, not going to make them happy. Amen. All they want to do is talk about everybody in the house of God. They want to run down everybody in the church. Hey, I don't know why they can't wake up and realize at the common denominators, them. It's not the 25 pastors. It's them, amen. But all oh, they can't be glad. They sit in church like a knot on the log. The choir sings till they're out of breath. The preacher leaves a lung on a pulpit trying to be a blessing to them. And they sit there and look at him like a calf looking at a new gate. They're not interested in anything but going to the restaurant and how quick they can get out. I'm telling you, you can't do nothing with that crowd. You know that, amen. Isn't that right? I mean, it's just the truth. And the only people sitting here pale is probably the ones guilty. 
You don't have to be that way. You know that, don't you? You could get right with God this morning and you could make a good church member. I'm just telling you that's how it is. I don't think we got anybody like that and I pray that we don't. But you know, and they don't want to be governed by the church. It's amazing when people leave church, they always want to talk about it. And they always want to say things like, well, them people, they're in a cult down there. Or they put, uh, they, they bind us, or you know, they, they investigate us. No, we don't investigate your life. Uh, every one of us, we're too busy. We're not going around investigating people's life. Uh, but the problem is, they don't want to be committed to the house of God. The problem is, uh, they don't want any accountability. Amen. Uh, but when it comes time to die, uh, somebody, uh, listen, said, uh, told somebody, said that I was their pastor, and they told me. I said, well, uh, that's news to me. I said, I hadn't seen them in about 15 years, and I'm being honest. Uh, I think they went back and told them. Uh, uh, but you know what? They needed to be told. Uh, and if they had come up and called me their pastor, I'd have said, listen, uh, where you been for the last 15 years? Uh, I mean, isn't that right? Uh, I'm not being ugly. I'm just trying to be honest. Amen. Uh, I mean, listen, you'd think if you're somebody's pastor, they'd at least darken the door. Amen. Uh, and come to the house of God. Uh, I'll tell you what some people want. Uh, they don't want a pastor. They want a puppet. Amen. Uh, uh, they don't want a pastor. They want somebody to show up and marry their kin folks and bury their dead, their kin folks, but they don't want somebody to try to help them through life and govern their life. Amen. I want to say this morning, I'm just thankful for the church. I'm still excited about church, aren't you? You say, but there's a pandemic. I don't care. I just, I reached the, I pressed the I don't care button months ago. Amen. Now, I care about people being sick and in the hospital. Don't you misunderstand me? But when it comes to church, we're just going on. Amen. We just gonna keep having church. Listen, we're gonna carry on. I wanna tell you, my friend, you say, why? Because I'm still excited about church. You say, what are you excited about, Paul? He gives three things here as to why he was still excited about the church. I wanna say, first of all, in verse number three down to verse number seven, Paul was excited because the church was planned by the Father. Amen? It was planned by the Father. You see, the church is not an organization. Can I get a witness on that? The church is a living organism. Amen. As the songwriter said, the church is alive and well. Amen. I'm telling you, this isn't the Moose Lodge. We're not the Mooses and the Gooses. Amen. This isn't the Masonic Lodge. Somebody say amen. And you can't listen. You can't be a Christian and be a Mason. Somebody say amen right there. I don't care if you're a 32nd degree Mason and your wife's a morning star. Uh, listen, you need to give it up uh, and get in the house of God. Uh, I you say you're preaching on the Masons. You better believe I am. Uh, turn your ring in, burn your papers, uh, and be a part of the church. Hallelujah. Amen. That's right. I'm just telling you, we're just gonna hit it all, amen? I'm just telling you the church was planned by the Father. And what I notice in this text is our blessings was planned by the Father. Notice verse number three. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You know why? Listen, the Father planned the church. 
The church was planned by the Father. And that means the Father planned the blessings. Amen. And you know what God could have made church about? He could have made it about financial blessings. And if he'd have made it all about financial blessings, I'm sure a lot of people would have come. He could have made it all about physical blessings. If you go to church, you're going to live longer. I'm sure there's a lot of people would have went if it would have been all about physical blessings. He could have made it all about material blessings. Isn't it amazing? Some of these television evangelists, that's all they're about. They're all about the physical. You know, you pray. listen, you send us $10, we'll send you a prayer cloth and you can put it on your forehead and you won't get COVID, amen? I'm telling you, if you believe that, listen, I got about 15 acres on the moon, I'll sell to you real, real cheap, amen? But you know what? They're all about the physical. They're all about the financial. If you'll send in some money, they call it seed money, amen? I call it thief money, don't you? If you'll send in some seed money. I mean, listen, how's that working? for you. If you send any seed money in, are you getting any in return? I promise you, you're not. Amen. But God could have made the church about all these other blessings in life, but he didn't. You know what he did? He made the church about spiritual blessings. Amen. You know why we go to church? Because we get things here. We don't get anywhere else. Brother, I'm telling you, there's blessings in church. That money came by. I'd rather have the blessings I find in church as you buy me a brand new pickup. Somebody say amen. And I'll tell you, if you buy me a brand new pickup, I'm not going to turn it down. So don't get nervous about that. But if I'm given the choice between money and materials and the spiritual blessings I've gained in the house of God, I'm telling you, I'll take them every single time. They far outweigh the things of this world. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about I've got peace in church. I've found joy in church. I've found victory in church. I've got help in church. I'm telling you there's blessings through singing and there's blessings through preaching and there's blessings through testifying and there's blessings through praying. I'm talking about the Father had planned the church and he planned the blessings of the church, amen. Then he planned our beginning. Our beginning was planned by the Father. In verse number four, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. I want to tell you, I'm not a Calvinist this morning. And you never become a Calvinist from reading the Bible. You only become a Calvinist from reading after Calvinist. And I want to tell you, these heavenly blessings far outweigh the earth. Our blessings was planned by the Father, but our beginning was planned by the Father. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I mean that, listen, we live in, we live in three dimensions. Time. Time is three dimensions. I was, I am, I will be. Isn't that right? That's how it is. I was, I am, I will be. But God does not live in the dimensions of time. God lives in eternity. That's why God could say as Abraham was, uh, he said, I am. Isn't that right? He didn't say I was. Uh, he said, I am. You know why? Because God is in the past. Uh, God is in the present. And God is in the future. Amen. You see, we can recall the past. Uh, we can anticipate the future. But I'll tell you what we're doing. Uh, uh, we're living, my friend, uh, moment by moment in the present. Isn't that right? Uh, you know how God gives us life? Uh, he gives it to us in these little small packages. 
which is a present, meaning that we can't recall the past. We cannot see the future. All we can do is deal with the moment that we're in right now. But I want to tell you, God is not that way. God dwells in the past. He dwells in the present, and he dwells in the future. So when God chose us, I'm going to tell you something. He chose us before the foundation of the world because it's all simultaneously. I'm telling you, listen, at the moment I chose him, guess what? He chose me, amen? Because he's living back then, he's living right here, and he's living right there. You see, God not only sees our tomorrows, he stands in our tomorrows. He's already there, and he's already back yonder. I want to say he chose us before the foundations of this world because he lives in eternity. I want to say our beginning was planned by the Father. I'm glad the church was not an accident or an afterthought. And then our benefits was planned by the Father. Notice what the Bible says in verse number five. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. I want to tell you this morning, predestination is never used in connection with somebody going to hell. Amen. Predestination is always used in the light of the, of the saint, amen? Election has to do with our past. Predestination has to do with our future and it has to do with the saint. It has not to do with the sinner. I wanna say this morning that when we think about predestination this morning, it just simply tells us here, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That means before the foundation of this world, God already planned Calvary. God already planned the church. It was all predestinated in the mind of God after the counsel of his own will. God, before there was nothing, you know what? There was everything. And God stood in that nothing. And God stood in that everything. He saw it all. He stood in it all. You know why? Because he's God. He's infinite. He dwells in the past, the present, and the future. And in the past, you know what God did? He adopted us. He made us a part of the family of God. It may take him a sinner a lifetime to choose him but he ought to know that God has already chosen. He will have all men to be saved. God chose every man to go to heaven. He predestinated Calvary. He predestinated his son to be slain so that no one would have to go to hell. That's what predestination means. We can all be in the family of God. Hallelujah. Thank God I'm telling you this morning I thank the Lord. I'm still excited about church because the church was planned by God. We didn't just come here this morning to look at each other. God put the church together. And 2,000 years after Calvary, the church is still alive and well this morning and our beginning was planned and I want to say our benefits, we have been adopted. You know, whenever someone is adopted, that means that they immediately have the rights to the family. Amen. They're immediately given those rights to the family. I want to say this morning, when God adopted us, that's what happened. When the moment you got saved and I got saved, thank God, we came into the family wealth we came into the family inheritance we came into the family rights I want to say when a sinner gets saved they got the same rights that anybody else has they've got the same promises this morning I'm saying the benefits the beginning, the blessings were all planned by the Father Amen 
the Father planned the church, the beloved to the praise of the glory of his grace. Notice verse six, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I'm glad there's a brotherhood. I'm glad that Jesus Christ, he's our king, he's our savior, he's our Lord, but guess what? He's our big brother. And I wanna say this morning, I'm glad that he will take care of us. We've been adopted. I want to say we've received the benefits and the blessings of the family, the church. Why should we still be excited about the church? Because it was planned by the Father. Secondly, why should we be excited about the church? Because it was purchased by the Son. Amen. Look at verse number seven. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. When you think about the son, the Bible said, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus died for the church. The father planned it and then the son purchased it this morning. We are the purchase, uh, listen, of his possession. Uh, We are the body of Christ. Uh, We are the bride of Christ. Uh, We are the building of God. Uh, I wanna say this morning. I'm glad that we've been purchased. Amen. And here we find that in him we have redemption. Isn't that right? And in his redemption, if you'll notice in verse number seven, it took blood. Amen. And it took forgiveness. And it took grace according to the riches of his grace. I'll tell you, we ought to shout over redemption this morning. He's redeemed us. Amen. He's bought us with a price, with his blood. He's forgiven us of our sins. He has given us the riches of his grace this morning. Doesn't it feel good to be saved? Doesn't it feel good to be a part of the church? Amen. I'm telling you, I'm not on the outside looking in. I'm on the inside looking out. Amen. I'm glad I'm a part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah this morning. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter to me if I'm the pinky toe. Is that right? I just want to be a part of the body. So ain't much about a pinky toe. We'll cut it off and see what happens. You'll get out of balance, won't you? And you know what that means? That means that whenever the church, when every member of the church is operating according to the will of God, the church can be fully balanced. Every, church is imp- every person in the church is important. You say, well, I, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a preacher. Everybody can't be. I'm not a singer. doesn't make no difference. You're a part of the church. I want to say this morning, if, if all God ever let me and you do was come in and sit in a corner somewhere, we ought to be thankful to the graveyard that we're a part of the church. Doesn't it feel good to be a part of the church, to be, to be a part of the bride, to be a part of the body of Christ. And I know there's a universal church, but there's a local church, amen? And some people want to bypass the local church, but Paul is talking to a local church here, and I believe in both of them, amen? But I believe in a local church. I'm glad I'm a part of a local church this morning. I thank God for this church, and in, this, in him, in Christ, we have redemption, and then we have revelation. Look at verse number eight. Wherein he hath abound, 
abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Now that word abounded means to give more and more. And that word wisdom, it means sound judgment. It means cleverness. It means intelligence. That word prudence means to use effectively. And here's what Paul is saying in this verse, that God has given us sound wisdom. He's given us sound judgment. He's given us all the practical wisdom that we need. More and more it abounds is what he sounds that we can use effectively. I want to tell you what the church will do, friend. It'll help you have sound judgment. Can I get a witness right there? You watch people when they get away from church and they get out of church or they go to something that's so called a church. You know what the first thing happens to them? They lose their sense of sound judgment. There's people that'll stand up and say, well, you know, I believe this and I believe that. And I think they do. But when they get outside the church, they start doing some of the very things that they used to be against. Now they're for. And they have all kinds of reasons and cliches and things. as to what. But the bottom line is this. They left sound judgment. I'm telling you, sitting in a church and sitting under preaching, the man of God may not be the greatest preacher, but if you'll just preach the Bible and if you'll stay under that preaching and stay under that and keep your family under that, you know what it will help you through life? You'll go to a lot of church services and sit there and your mind, and I hope it's not somewhere else this morning, but listen, you'll go to a lot of church services and you'll leave and you'll think, well, I didn't get a whole lot out of that. A whole lot didn't happen, but I'll tell you what did happen if you were there and you listened you heard sound judgment. You heard truth. You heard the preaching. And you know what that does in your life? It keeps it instilled in your heart. It keeps it instilled in your mind. No, it may not be something that tickled your fancy today, but I'll tell you what it will do. It'll be truth for tomorrow when you're facing something and you've got to make a decision. You can make sound judgment. You can have, you can have spiritual intellect. You know why? Because you stayed in the church. Amen? And when people get out of church, they lose all sensibility. Amen. They go crazy. They lose their mind. They start doing things that you and I know is wrong. You know why? Because they left that sound judgment of the house of God. I believe in Bible study. I believe in prayer meetings. But they are never to be a substitute for the house of God. You take somebody who want to go down there and start a Sunday night Bible study so they and not go to church. We're 1,000% against that. Because Jesus didn't die for a Bible study. Somebody say amen. Well, we're going to go down here to a small group. He didn't die for a small group. He died for the church. We're to assemble ourselves together. Isn't that right? There's accountability, there's fellowship, there's to be unity. I tell you, we've got a lot of people, listen, they want to go off and start something themselves and they want to, you know, they'll go down the road and split off a church and they'll start a church and they'll call it Unity Baptist Church. Or, or they'll leave Fellowship Baptist Church and they'll go down the road around the corner and they'll start New Fellowship Baptist Church. They're always doing something crazy like that. And uh, I, I won't call the name because somebody might know it, but I'll tell you, uh, one church they called, they left and split and they went and, and they called them, took the exact same name as the churches they left and put number two on the sign. <laughs> I'm just telling you, sound judgment goes out the window. I'm talking about we have revelation. Sitting in the house of God, here's what preaching will do. It'll reveal some things to you. 
The pastor's not a prophet. He's not a pope. He doesn't have any special insight. He doesn't, he doesn't, God doesn't. Listen, but what he does have is he has the word of God. And if he preaches the Bible, the Holy Spirit will take the word of God and speak to you where you're at in your life and reveal things in your heart. And what we have here is we have, we have revelation. We have redemption. Well, thank God we have royalty. Notice what he said in verse number nine. He said, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which which are on earth even in him. That dispensation, the fullness of time, that's the last dispensation and what God is going to do is he's gonna bring the church in and I'll tell you, she's gonna be decked out in royalty, amen? I'm telling you, every spot's gonna be gone. Every wrinkle's gonna be ironed out. The church will be the bride of Christ. She'll glisten in all of her glory. You see, the church has a lot of problems today. The church is not everything she ought to be, no. And the church is not everything that God wants her to be. I'll tell you, there is coming a day that what revival don't fix down here, rapture's gonna take care of up yonder and we're headed to the judgment seat and God's gonna clean the bride up and then we're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb and thank God the bride is gonna be adorned in her apparel and thank God she'll be a fit vessel for the bridegroom on that day and I'm a part of that, thank God and you're a part of that and we ought to be excited. We was just a speck of dirt and the God pulled out the dung hills of this old wicked world, of the set pools of sin, but he raised us up and he's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and he's putting together a glorious church, hallelujah. We ought to be excited about that, shouldn't we? Excited that, that Jesus would love us enough to purchase us. And he said, and we have revelation, we have royalty, we have redemption. But I want you to notice uh, in verse number 12, uh, uh, thank God, verse 11 and 12, we have rejoicing, amen. He said, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. I'm gonna tell you what ought to be in every church. Rejoicing. Amen. Amen. Not sad, long faces. Not everybody looking at their watch. Not everybody in a, in a hurry. I'm telling you, when we go to church, uh, we ought to go to church and rejoice. You don't have to act like me, and I don't have to act like you, but we ought to be smiling. We ought to be happy. We ought to be singing. I'm telling you, whether we're singing an invitation or whether we're singing a congregational or a choir song, don't ever open that songbook and mumble through. Don't ever just say, well, you know what? I'll just kindly mumble a few words. No, I'm telling you, listen, while I'm on the subject, while well, I just want to preach this for a minute, we ought to open our mouth uh, and we ought to sing with everything we got. Amen. I'm telling you, God pulled us out of the bowels of hell. He pulled us out of nothing. Amen. We were just a bunch of old wretched, sorry, low-down sinners. And God put a song in our mouth. I'm telling you, if you got a song in your heart, it ought to come out of your mouth. Every time you can sing, you should sing. Hallelujah. If you don't know the words, get a songbook. Isn't that right? sing you say but it's invitation I'm going to tell you this is why I stay on you about church the preacher preaches the sermon and when it comes invitation time you have a responsibility now your part's to sing
while the preacher pleads. Too many times I think the spirit is grieved because the people won't sing. They start gathering the stuff up. Don't get your pocketbooks when it's invitation time. Don't start digging, don't start putting, and I hope you ain't got Toys R Us on your pew. Get you a paddle. You won't need 19 toys. I'm okay with them having one or two, but you don't gotta, you don't gotta pack up your picnic and don't do that neither. Somebody say amen. And start packing up during invitation. I'll tell you what people need to do. Quit packing up. Come on down here to this altar. I'm going to tell you why sinners used to walk the aisle trembling. Because the man of God preached with anointing. And the congregation sang with enthusiasm and conviction. We need that again, don't we? So, Brother Gradley, I want you to know I'm not being mean this morning. I just see too many churches dying. I don't want it to happen here. The only way I know to do it, Brother Laddie, and maybe there's a better way, I don't know. The only way I know to do it is to hold my feet. And our feet to the fire. Keep pushing. Keep on preaching. Keep hitting everything that's going on. Amen, is that right? I'm telling you, if you're about to go to sleep, reach over and pinch somebody. Amen. That's right. I mean, listen, uh, uh, when we go to church, uh, we, I, know, I know the clouds are darkened outside, but who really gives a rip this morning? Amen. I'm telling you, we're in the house of God. Uh, the sun ought to be shining in our soul this morning. Uh, I'm so glad I'm not going to hell. Uh, I'm so glad I've been saved. Uh, I'm so glad I've been to Calvary. Hallelujah. I'm telling you this morning, uh, it's just good uh, to be on the right side of Calvary and to be saved by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Woo! Just good to be born again. You say, preacher, why are you still excited? Because it was planned by the Father. Because it was purchased by the Son. Still excited about church because it's preserved by the Spirit. He said in verse number 13, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Paul talks about trusting in verse 13, whom also you trusted. He talks about truth, the word of truth. He talks about a transaction, the gospel of your salvation. He talks about a testimony in whom also after that you believe, but he talks about a treasure. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I want to tell you something. God, Christ, his bride will never be divorced. Amen. Amen. You know what the church is this morning? Ephesians tells us we're a body that cannot decompose. We're a building that can never be demolished. We're a battalion that can never be defeated. We're a brotherhood that can never be dissolved. And then we're a bride that can never be divorced. You don't ever have to worry about Christ being unfaithful to his church. There won't never be no divorce papers from heaven coming down. 
There's going to be no separation. Oh, no. Won't you come to the wedding? Amen. There's a wedding day coming, friend. I'm telling you, there's a time in eternity when we as the saints of God, we're going to walk down heaven's aisle and heaven's bridegroom is going to be standing there waiting at the very altar where the blood is on the mercy seat. We're walking down that aisle and for all of eternity, we'll be wed to the Son of God. Heaven's going to be about Jesus. We're going to sing about Jesus. We're going to preach about Jesus. We're going to shout about Jesus. We're going to glorify God about Jesus. Somebody said, well, there won't be no sinners in heaven. Why would you think there's going to be preaching? So the best preaching I know is when you preach about Jesus. And we're going to spend eternity. I want to say the church has been preserved. We've been sealed by the Spirit. And as they get us a song ready this morning, I want to tell you this. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Oh, listen to me this morning. We're not pickled. We're preserved. How many of y'all know the difference? Hey, how many of y'all like pickled okra? I love it. I like, this, I like all that stuff, don't you? And chow chow. Somebody say amen, Brother Jason, for chow chow. Praise God. Sister Francie Taylor came. We gave her some chow chow and muscadine, and I don't think she'll ever come back again. <laughs> but when you pickle something, guess what? It's soured. It's in vinegar a lot of times. But when you preserve it, it's sweet. How many of y'all like, how many of y'all like preserves? Amen. What's wrong with y'all? Lord help. I like preserve. Hey, you know what? You don't put pickled okra on a biscuit. Now I put a little chow chow on it. It ain't too bad. But you know what? You open some of them blackberry preserves. Some of those plums, some of those peach preserves. You put them on that biscuit, don't you? You know why? Because it's sweet. I've seen some saints, they look like they've been pickled rather than preserved. Because they look, they look so sour. They look like going to church is killing them. They look like being, if they got to stay five minutes past 12 o'clock, they're sitting there man, thinking, they, thinking they're going to die. I want to ask you this morning, do you really enjoy being in the house of God? And do you give your all when you're at church? Don't say, you preachers, I know I stay on you. But don't sit there like a knot on a log. You're going to reap that one day. You say amen every time a preacher gets up to preach, as long as he's preaching the Bible. Because when you get up to preach, you want people to say amen. I was preaching up in Minnesota and a, a full-blooded Yankee. He said, you know, I don't understand something about you preachers in the South. I said, what's that? He said, y'all get up there and preach and you, you ask for amens and you say, can I get a witness? And, and, and all. He said, you act like you're insecure while you're preaching and, and you always want somebody to be saying something while you're preaching. I don't understand that. I said, you're right. You don't understand that. <laughs> and I said, I'm not apologizing about it neither. I said, can I get a witness? <laughs> he laughed and I did too, but I mean every word of it just as much as he did. Hey, who wants to go to a dead, dull, dry church? Amen. 
I know it's invitation time, but I really don't care. Amen. I'm telling you, who wants to go to church where it's like a mortuary? Who wants to go to church where everybody just looks at each other? I'm telling you, friend, I want to go to church where the breeze of heaven passes over my soul and the glory of God runs down from the throne of God and there's life and there's liberty and there's love and there's amens and there's preaching. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. It's been planned by the Father. It's been purchased by the Son. And it's preserved by the Spirit. Amen. I got news for Biden and all that other outfit. If they think they're going to squash out the church, if they think they're going to put out the church, they got another thing coming to them. Amen. Of the church, of the living God. We're not going down. But thank God we're going up. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going forward. Amen. They ain't no Democrat. Y'all say amen. And they ain't no rhino Republican. And they ain't none of this. Hey, they ain't none of this communist, socialist, amen, wicked, ungodly generation government. Listen, they ain't no sodomites going to put out the church. Amen. And they ain't going to silence us. And they ain't going to stop us from preaching. Somebody say amen. You say, y'all not say that. No, it ought to have been said a long time ago. More often, I preached it then. I'm going to preach it now. Thank God I'm still excited. In a dark hour, we're still in church. Hallelujah. Everybody do me one favor before we go home. I'm going to turn around and look out them windows. Go ahead. See how dark it is. Now look up at them lights. See how bright they are. You know what we do most time on Sunday morning? We'll never pay no attention to them because it's bright outside. But the darker it gets out there, the brighter them bulbs begin to shine. And I'm going to tell you what we need to do in these last days. It's not roll over and play dead. Brother, we need to shine on for the glory of God. Is that right? This morning as we stand, I'm still excited. I still praise God. After all these years, since 1961, in a little two-car garage over here in, in Fairview, you can go right by that, that little house there. Bible Baptist Church was started. And after all these years, there's still a place here on the side of the road. I thank God for this church. You know, all of hell hates this church. But I tell you what you ought to do, and I'm sure you do. Pray for your church. Pay for your church. Praise your church. Isn't that right? Hold your church up in prayer and march on for the glory of God.